0: At Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health with the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org slash heart.
1: Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. today joined by my good friend, Amanda Stein, as we welcome you to the latest edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. We're going to dig into Ryan Graves. And boy, when I sat down, when we sat down to do it, I didn't know which direction this was going it, to it, go. It
0: went all directions. But it
1: was great. I mean, it was. he's an engaging young guy, part of the Devils Defense Corps. We know what... Uh, He is uh, on the team to do, paired with Dougie Hamilton. But my goodness, uh, we traveled the highways and byways of the Maritimes, didn't we?
0: We really did. And, you know, it's funny, like when a new player comes in, selfishly, I always like You know, look them up, not for stats, not for I'm like, I want to know if this person's a good talker, you know, because there are some guys who are just they're not going to give you anything, no matter what, and they could be the nicest and smartest guy out there. But when they're in the media, it just sort of shuts down. And I respect that. That's everyone's that's your prerogative. But I was like, oh, I'm going to like this Ryan Graves because he just like he's very, very well spoken. Um, very honest when he's making his, you know, when he's analyzing things. So, and he's just a great, great, great guy. Like he's so much fun to be around. So
1: yeah, he is. And uh this is a fun 40 minutes. I'm not even sure how long we wound up going with him. And by the way, Stan Fischler, the great Stan Fischler, one of the fantastic bits of insight he gave me and help was early on when I was covering hockey, he said, talk to this guy or that guy, because they're good talkers. They give you it's, good interviews. And, it's and, so true. And and he steered me away from the guys who weren't. And mm-hmm. randomly, I might have chosen one of those bad ones. And I would have been doing the hammer, the hammer, the hammer, trying to fill Yeah, it, it's said, a no, real thing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad
0: to know that he gave you that advice because I don't think anyone really gave it to me. But I was just like, Well, I want to be able to engage in a conversation. And there are some guys like who away from the microphone are awesome and you can talk to them and talk to them. But the minute that microphone is front of their face, it's completely different. But Ryan is not like that. Like Ryan is, he will talk to you just as much away from the microphone as he will with it uh, in front of him. So that, that. That makes him a perfect podcast guest.
1: Yeah, let's get away from the 200-foot game, the 110% short shifts in on the forecheck. Forget all that stuff. We need good information. We need good answers. And we got them from Ryan Graves as we welcome him to the show. Ryan Graves of Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, New Jersey Devils defenseman, thanks for joining us on the show. I guess there's a lot of provincial pride. There's only 10 players from Nova Scotia, 10 skaters from Nova Scotia in the league right now. So I guess there's a little pride when you say you
2: come from that province. eh? hundred percent. I think it's actually pretty good to have 10. I mean, it's a small province. Um, It's a little more remote, Uh, but I think it's like, since has kind of paved the way for a lot of us. And um, I mean, he's been a role model for a lot of guys growing up that there's been more and more coming through. Um, I mean, I used to get asked this question a ton last year because we had so many in the ABS organization um, with uh, Nate and then myself and then we had um, Shane Bowers and then uh, Baron they drafted Baron Um, we had um, Liam O'Brien for a little bit last year Um, so that's a lot of Nova Scotia guys right there and that's all just on one roster Um, so yeah it's great to see you guys coming up Um, I think it's um where everyone's so proud when they're from there because it is a little bit tougher um you grow up in a rural area and there's um a lot of travel like a big commitment from families and things like that to try to make it versus guys that are um, maybe from Vancouver or from Ontario or places like that where um they play minor hockey and they never drive more than 20 minutes for a game um, growing up and the competition is um is is really good there's a lot of just by numbers there's a lot of good kids and and um, access to um, resources to improve your game and things like that that maybe guys ODs don't always have so um, when guys make it and they're good and we've got some good players from there that um, there's a lot of pride so I'm going
1: to make it even more incredible from a number standpoint only 70 players in the history of the NHL were born in Nova Scotia now that doesn't count somebody like Joey Jody Shelley who moved to Yarmouth and considers himself a Nova Scotian but wasn't born in the province okay and only seven goaltenders okay so we're going to ask you to put on your GM, maybe coach. You got to make a starting lineup hat. Give me your five that you're putting out on the ice from Nova Scotia. I'll give you the goalie because there's a devil's connection.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, it's got to be pretty easy. Um, I think on the back end, got to go with Al McGinnis. Uh, I mean, he's a, I think he's a Cape Ratner. Um, I know he's got the rig named after him there, and we're playing in that and midget. Um, I think the, I don't know if they still do or not. Um, maybe I'm aging myself here, but, um, the trade's been played there. So, um, Al McGinnis, Serena got to go with Al McGinnis. Um, I, I mean, I got to throw myself in there. Uh, of course. I mean, why of not? Course. Naturally. Yeah. I'm here now. I got to do it. Um, and then you're, I mean, I sure you got to guess your, your three forwards. You got to go with Sid up the middle and then Nate and, and Marshawn on their wings. Um, I, I mean, that's, it's a pretty easy, uh, but there's some <laughs> honorable mentions in there. Um, I mean Drake batherson uh, he's coming coming in now. Um, and then there's been a lot of guys that have kind of um been up and down with rosters in the last few years that we're proud of as well. And um, I know people are gonna be wanting me to be mentioned Colin White, uh former devil. So you just uh,
1: made a thousand more friends. You
2: just (laughs) made a thousand more friends. I mean, it it is a lot of pride. and there's a lot of guys that are um were that played a little bit and now they're overseas and in Europe and things like that. So Um, there's a lot more talent coming out and uh, it's great to see.
1: Well, I'm going to go with the goalie and I'm glad you did mention some of those stars and listen, I mean, we were talking about the elite of the elite. That's a hell of a team. You'd be very hard to beat on the ice, but uh, there've only been seven goalies who can say they were born in Nova Scotia who played in the league. Wendell Young played the most games. Eldon Pokey Reddick, also a name that some people, although not maybe everyone on this podcast. (laughs) Nope will recall. Uh, But I'm going to mention a Jersey devil guy. And honestly, I I forgot that Sean McKenzie played six games with the devils. It's not like I know every devil player who ever put on the sweater. He only played six games. It was in the 82 83 season. I have great respect for anyone who can play even one game in this league. So we're going to put him in goal, even though his numbers were not as good as the other two guys. But hey, we're going to have a devil's flavor to it. So Sean McKenzie is your goalie. That could be, and I hope Sean's not listening. I actually hope he does. We want as big an audience as we can. That might be the weak link right there. You got a top five. You might have to outscore the
2: opposition. You ready to I do that? I think I missed an honorable mention, too. I think Alex Killoran is born yes. in Nova Scotia as well. Yep. There's another one. So,
0: But grew up in Montreal. Just yeah, want thro- to throw that out there. We've claimed him as he, our own.
2: <laughs> he, has, he did not grow up in Nova Scotia. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, we've, there's Jody Shelley as well. He's an honorable... Nova Scotian. Um, he's grew up in my hometown of Yarmouth. So he was an idol for me growing up. Um, he's not, um, I'm not sure where he's born, but I know that he grew up and moved to Nova Scotia. Um, so he's been an influence for me and someone that had a long career. He
1: did. So he'll handle
2: the tough stuff.
1: Yeah. So we (laughs) got a little, we got some scoring, we got some defense, we got some depth on the bench. And we've got the, the tough guy. So yeah. there you go. All right. So we're done. Not really with the armors, but we're done <laughs> with that part of the quiz. Amanda, I'll turn things over to you.
0: Well, I mean, I guess I'll just start there. What was it like kind of growing up in the, in the Maritimes and, and out there, I mean, when you talked about being such a small place to be and having to drive very far to different yeah. tournaments, what was life like?
2: Yeah. Um, I think it's, there's a lot of pressure on kids now. Um, I think you see a lot of like the Toronto kids and things like that. Um and there's some places in the US that are like that too, like Michigan, things like that, where um, kids grow up and they're all hockey focused and um, there's a lot of pressure and there's um, it's hockey year round. And um, it wasn't really like that for me. I just played for fun. I played with friends. Um, I mean, growing up, the only person that ever played in the NHL from my hometown was Jody Shelley. Um, so it was kind of a like a far off dream for a lot of kids, including myself. So um, we played for fun. And then um, as you get older, you. you as a competitive person that I come by naturally, um, I wanted to play the best level. And so I played rap hockey and things like that. And my friends played, um, but it is a big commitment. Like you said, um, our closest game from Adam on, um, was two hours away. Wow. So, I mean, that's as a kid, you just, it's kind of fun. You're, you're in the car and you carpool with other families and things like that. And you look forward to it on weekends and you, you miss Friday school a lot of the time to, to travel first, but, um, that's a big commitment looking back um, from your parents that um, have to drive, give up every single weekend to drive and to stay in a hotel and to eat out every night and things like that. Um, so looking back, um, that's, that's kind of crazy that that is what it takes and what happens and it's still is what happens now. Um, I think it's even a little bit more now that they've kind of started to combine some teams there that um, to make things a little bit more competitive for when they go, um, out of the Maritimes, that they could have more numbers to draw from. So I think kids are driving like an hour for practice and things like that now. So that means like three or four times a week at least that you're driving over an hour. So um, that's that's a lot for um, for families and things like that. So that was what it was like for me growing up as far as hockey. Um, but at the same time, it's fun because you're staying in hotels and <laughs> you're with your friends and you're playing mini sticks and you're doing things like that. Um, but I mean, I played other sports growing up. Um, I mean, we were, we were outdoors all the time. Um, very lucky to grow up in a place like that, that um, you kind of get to experience all aspects of it. Um, I mean, you, you you have lakes and you have the ocean and um, you have the woods there where you can go on four wheelers and you can kind of explore and do things like that. So um, kind of a rural lifestyle um, that has, I haven't been back to in a couple of years now, but um, it's a great way to grow up. And I'm very proud to be from there. Um, and I. I'm happy that I can be one of the first actually the first to be born in Yarmouth. um, And then one of the first to be um, from that side of Nova Scotia, where the travel is a little bit more than say um, like Nate from Halifax, who um, they have like three or four teams there that they all kind of play each other, that it kind of really cuts into the travel. Um, But just to show kids that um, that they can make it from there. And that if you want to do it, that you can. And um, it's been something that I've been uh, lucky to be one of the first to do and um, to kind of, be a role model for some kids and to uh, be able to be an influence in the community
0: is it yarmouth home of ryan graves
2: is there like a, there's actually a street named after joey shelley
0: okay uh, so okay
2: as of right now it's his town <laughs> yeah. i think yeah. the sign going in says lobster capital of canada
0: amazing okay so it's like it's lobster capital joey shelley and then we're waiting on Ryan. Graves. yeah we're just
2: waiting all
0: right. <laughs> lying, so. um, are, are you are you uh do you like lobster and is it I true do, yeah
2: I don't I don't fish it or anything but I like to eat it and a lot of my friends do that as a living and um I think a lot of it's the main industry around home so yeah um, it's a big part of the culture there so it's um yeah I think all the people from the Maritimes love it um fresh lobster is uh, one of the best things
0: Have you gone out like on a, on a lobster boat and just sort of, like you said, your friends kind of do it. Have you done
2: it? I've been on the, I've been on the boat, but I've never done the actual fishing part. I've, (laughs) I've never done that. Maybe someday I will, but, uh, we used to go out in the boat sometimes. Like, um, they go out and have like, you'd go, go off the boat and you go in the harbor and you go swimming and stuff like that. But I've never been out when they're actually working on the thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll leave that leave that for somebody else. Uh okay. by the way, uh, Jody Shelley was born in Brandon, Manitoba. I looked okay. it up. So, there you go. He he moved from west to not quite as far east as you'd go, but pretty far east in Canada. So, all right. So, I do want to ask though a little bit about uh that 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 lobstering thing because Chico Resch, who is my broadcast partner, he was having a conversation with a couple of uh Dawson Mercer's friends who had come to visit him and one of them was saying that they—I want to—I want to say, say it's either one of Dawson's friends or maybe it's a parent. At any rate, uh, bought this commercial fishing boat, and it—and—and and the commercial license was like four million bucks because you can make great money yeah. fishing. Uh, in the Atlantic off of uh, you know uh, Newfoundland and uh, Labrador the the combined name of the province anyway so what's the lobster fishing world like in Yarmouth Nova Scotia is it the driving part of the economy
2: yeah it's definitely the driving force behind the economy there Um, I think there's a little bit of tourism and things like that um, just because it's scenic and you're on the ocean and um, lighthouses and things like that that people like to come for and drive along the coast but um, definitely the driving force behind the economy is the lobster industry. And um, Dawson's friends are right. Fishing licenses are expensive. Um, it's a little bit different in Newfoundland. They have bigger boats and um, they're like kind of the ones that you see if you've watched Deadliest Catch. Um, they're yeah. kind of like that where they're the big ones.
1: I'm thinking um, we're onto a show
2: here with you and your friends, but that's another yeah, story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like they have the big ones. They, they fish things like crab off of Newfoundland and um, obviously cod um, and around Nova Scotia. Um, it's mainly lobster. They do halibut in the off season. Um, there's a little bit of swordfish and things like that. But the the main thing is lobster. Um, the boats are smaller. Um, they're still big, um, but they're not as big as a commercial boat. Um, so they have like crews of three or four and they go out and they, sometimes they go, they go 12 hours offshore and sometimes they go 20 minutes offshore. So it can be just about anything. And, um, it depends on where where their zones are and what they do but there goes my oh. my lights.
0: Yeah, you got to stand up. You got to yeah. stand. You got to <laughs> Hold <stand>. on. <laughs> Get some movement in we're,
1: there. We're we're recording this uh there three you different go. locations. There uh, Amanda's yeah. at at Prudential Center. I'm yeah. at home. Uh, Ryan is at Prudential Center, but he's in a room where if you don't move the For lights a while. go off because we're we're a very environmentally <laughs> conscious company yeah. and we don't want to, you know, waste energy. Anyway, we digress. Carry yeah. on, sir.
2: Um, yeah so it's a huge thing and um, I mean it's a lot of families do it Um, it's passed down to generations and things like that but it's big a big part of the community and obviously part of the economy as well and it's home to two world-class
1: golf courses which Hmm. by the way my friends and I are planning to visit Cabot Links and Cabot Lodge I want to say Cliffs okay Cabot Cliffs uh, which is I don't know you have to draw a line from Yarmouth kind of
2: going northeast to get there. It's almost the opposite of Nova Scotia but yeah beautiful you should go. Have you played? I have yeah yeah it it was uh they're really cool it's one of them is very linksy um it obviously the links um and it's kind of it's flat and the the weather in Cape Breton can it's it's honestly it's uh very crazy like it we played and in your four-hour round we had sun so we had our jackets off then we had a lot of wind and then we had rain and then it was back to sun. And um, so you honestly get everything when you're there. And I think most people get that while they're there um, as it changes so quickly and you're right on the ocean. Um, so the, the first course is linksy and it's long and it's really tough. Um, and then the second course is, uh, it's right along the cliff, So it kind of, it's about probably five minutes down the road and um, some of the holes, there's a hundred foot drop down off the side. Um, you can't take a cart around, you have to walk. Um, Honestly, it's super cool. Uh, Just the pictures don't even do it justice. Some of the shots you hit in there and it's so well-maintained. The staff is awesome. Uh, The accommodations is great. Uh, You're in Inverness, Cape Breton, so you can kind of get a feel for the community. Uh, There's a few restaurants around that you can go to. There's obviously restaurants on the resort as well, but the resort is actually um, right downtown Inverness. Um, Mind you, it's not a very big downtown, but um, there are things like breweries and um, stuff like that around that they go to. Um, So it's honestly really cool. If you have the chance to go, you should definitely go.
1: It is on our list, a group of friends of uh, mine, we make some bucket list trips in golf, they've been sidelined with COVID over the last couple of years, but we talked about it the other day and that is the trip we're planning to make Uh, this year because uh, those two courses are in anyone's top 100 so we're definitely going to do it and I'm glad you mentioned the hospitality we're looking for a couple
2: of fiddlers you think we can find some fiddle players up in that part of the Nova Scotia definitely if you go to the right places you could Um, all right maybe not (laughs) if you can't find a fiddler you'll find um, some sort of a a local band playing um, and some good people that'll probably talk your ear off so it's a very friendly (laughs) spot Um, good food good people um, good golf you got to go uh, I'm oh, how, signed up. How is your golf game, Ryan? Um, it's not bad. Uh, <laughs> that I'm wasn't usually, very convincing. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm actually okay. Um, I play. I'm probably not as good as I should be for how much I play, but I I'm usually like a running like around a three handicap, so I'm Ooh. usually in the mid to high seventies.
0: And and state. who who's like the the best hockey player golfer that you've golfed with? Oh, um,
2: there's actually some good golfers that are hockey players um oof, i don't know the best i've played with i'm trying to think there's there's people that are known to be good i mean there's the ref that um competes oh uh, yeah 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 um i forget his name but he he, he i don't know if he qualified or he was, he was like on qualifying. some sort of tour or something yeah almost qualified for the u.s open a few years ago um yeah his name's on the oh, uh, God. Um, tip of my tongue I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, I can't remember it, but um, I think there's a guy on most teams that are around a scratch handicap or something like that, but um, I don't think there's any of us that are going to go pro afterwards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is it though about, you know, the hockey player that also plays golf? I mean, it's so common. It's so right. something. And then like, you think of how you guys are like, so into like the team sport mentality. And then you go on a golf course and yeah, you're competing against other people, but you're also competing. Like, what is that? How does that shift happen?
2: (laughs) I don't know. I think that obviously the off season draws a lot of people in just because our off season is the summer and um, golf is the best summer sport. So (laughs) I think that draws a lot of people in. Um, But honestly, for me, it's a nice change of um, competition where you. As a team, you're kind of with other people all the time, and you can depend on other people, and they can make up for your mistakes and things like that. But golf is completely on your own, and it's a completely different way to compete. And um, I find it refreshing to go out and to be competitive in something that's not your your best sport, and to something that really humbles you, and you try so hard to be good at, it, and you keep working <laughs> at it, and you and you're on the on the range trying to get better. And um, and friends that that don't play any other sports come out and. Um, Maybe they're not even in shape and they come out and they and they and they whoop you and so it's kind of fun to I don't know to go out there and you can compete with your buddies and you can compete with people that are 30 40 years older than you or 10 years younger than you and things like that so um, it's a great sport I love it Um, I play a lot of it in the summer and it's great gets you outside it's a um, it's kind of a de-stressor for me honestly
0: we've talked a lot about Nova Scotia but You live in PEI, that's where your off-season home is, in Prince Edward Island. When did that happen? What attracted you to PEI?
2: Um, Yeah, so I grew up in Nova Scotia, um, but from being from a small town and part of my hockey journey, um, competitive hockey stops at Midget, where I'm from. So I played Bantam at home, and now I don't think you actually play Bantam in your arms, I think now you move away as well. But I moved away in Midget to a town called Bridgewater, Um, it's about two hours away from home so I had a billet family there and then from there I was drafted into the Quebec League and I was drafted to PEI they have a team in Charlottetown there Um, so I was drafted there I have a little bit of family on the island as well Um, so I I just became a second home to me Um, I went to high school there Um, my girlfriend's from there Um, so honestly it was just a perfect combination for me of being able to train Um, I had friends there and it just became a a lifestyle that attracted to me. And it, honestly, it'd be tough to, to be a professional athlete and be from Yarmouth as much as I, I love it. And I'm proud to be from there. It'd be tough um, to be the only person from there and be training by yourself and be skating yeah. by yourself. So um, we've got a good group there. There's um, a few other NHLers that are there now, um, like Ross Johnson's there, Zach McEwen, Noah Dobson. Um, and then previously we had guys like Brad Richards and Adam McQuaid and and people like that that played. So. Um, it was just a good environment, honestly. And there's some guys that play in Europe as well that are around. So um, just professionally, it's a better environment for me. Um, And then I've made a second home of it. I have friends away from hockey and obviously my girlfriend's from there. So um, it's nice to be around her family as well. And I have some family there as well. So it's just become a a second home to me. And I I do get home every once in a while to Yarmouth, but um, I spend most of my time in Charlottetown now.
0: Is PEI similar to that? Lifestyle of back home, even though it is bigger than Yarmouth is, and yeah. just sort of like the golf courses, the quiet pace of life, that kind of thing. What's Definitely. life like there?
2: Um, I think it's a huge tourist destination. Uh, we have a ton of golf courses. Uh, I mean, the island's tiny. It's only it takes about three and a half hours to drive across lengthwise, <laughs> and it's about forty-five minutes um, side to side. So, but we have something like I think it's like thirty or forty golf courses on the island. Wow. So, um And there's probably fifteen that are really nice. Um, so honestly, it's a luxury to, to spend your summer there. And obviously it's an Island. So there's beautiful beaches, um, beaches that you don't really get anywhere else in Canada, where they're, um, kind of that sand that you see when you're down South, that soft white sand. Um, so honestly, it's, it's a great summer spot. Um, but yeah, people are really nice. Um, it's the same kind of, um, like potato farmers and fishermen and things like that, where, um, that's the main industry is agriculture. So, um, you get a lot of people that are just, um, humble and nice and very welcoming and things like that. So I think that's what people say when they come to visit the island. It's just how nice people were and how welcoming and things like that. So um, it's somewhere that I really enjoy spending my time. And I think anyone who visits would really like it. This podcast has
1: devolved into a maritime chamber of commerce (laughs) promotion 20 minutes or so, which is all good. Let's talk about Anne of Green Gables. If we're going to talk about- Oh my God. Let's go there we can do a little bit of everything right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but awesome uh, and and again going back to the golf and my wife and I have talked about uh going out east and and seeing that part of canada which we've not explored because i've heard nothing but good things about it she will not be making the golf trip however that's a guy's only thing but (laughs) we'll 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 eventually get get the wife out to uh to the eastern part of canada all right so let's talk a little bit about hockey you talked about how you know you got into it growing up and all the travel that you had to do so finally the day comes and your name is called at the draft what was that like for ryan graves
2: yeah, that was a special day. Um, I was ranked pretty late. I think I was ranked late fourth round, early fifth round, something like that. Um, but the draft was actually in Jersey. Um, so it's not too far from home for me. So we we drove up um, and just said, this is only going to happen once. If you get drafted, then it, it's worth it to be there. And if, I mean, I, I had no real expectations going in, I knew I was a later pick. Um, and if I didn't get drafted, then I'd never been to New York. So I decided we were going to come, we were going to see it. Um, I, my, my mom, my dad, and my stepdad came up with me. Um, So it it was just like kind of a family trip to see it. And um, if I got drafted, it was a bonus. So um, fortunately I did, I went in in the fourth round and a little bit earlier than expected. So that kind of makes your day um, even that much better. Um, So it was, honestly, it was a, a really, it's a real experience for me, my family, and things like that. That just um, obviously a lot of hard work and things like that go into it. Um, things that your family sacrifices. And I think it's kind of um, one of the few chances that you can feel rewarded. So um, that was a cool experience for me. And I'm happy that I was there for it. And you probably never thought someday
1: I'm going to call this building home. <laughs> In yeah. 2013, you were just hoping to call any NHL building home. Were you there for the first round when the trade was announced that? Corey Schneider was coming to the New Jersey devils.
2: Yeah, I actually was. So that was the one year they did the first round in the same day. Yeah. Um, And they started, I don't know what time it started. Probably a little bit later, like maybe like three or four, maybe even five. Um, And the first round takes three hours. So I I went for the first round that I I left and walked around and um, walked around the arena and stuff for the the second and third round. And then I sat back down for the fourth and kind of waited and I, I obviously had some friends that were there too that were hoping to be drafted. So um, we just kind of sat down and we were enjoying it and following who was getting drafted and uh, just kind of taking it all in. Um, But yeah, you definitely don't think this building is going to be what you call home. And (laughs) um, it's really weird looking back on it.
0: And then when you did, you know, start your professional career, you spent three and a half years playing in the AHL, which I imagine, you know, when you're clawing and chomping at the bit to, make your NHL dream come true. Was there ever a point in those three and a half years where you're thinking to yourself, is this going to happen for me?
2: hundred percent. Um, I mean, your first few years, you're just trying to improve. And I was someone that came in as not someone that was going to step into the NHL right away. So your first few years, yeah. you're just trying to develop and, um, you're happy to be playing in the American league and you're trying to work on your game. Um, and the, the first time that kind of crept into my mind was my third year, um, in the new york system is when i eventually got traded but that was kind of when they released that memo saying they were gonna rebuild and they traded mcdonough yeah. and they traded miller and um maybe rick nash was in that year as well i'm trying to think who else they might but they unloaded all of their top guys that were going to be coming up for contract and things like that and um so they were going to focus on the rebuild and they were going to give young guys a chance and uh we had i think we had six defensemen in the american league that time on NHL, um, NHL contracts. And I was the only one that didn't get a call up that year or like until the deadline and then kind of the writing's on the wall at that point that you're at the bottom of their list and that you're not going to get a chance. So, um, that was pretty tough for me. Um, seeing guys that came in after me or guys that you're competing with, and they all get a chance to go up and play five, 10 games and kind of show what they can do. And you don't even get a chance. So that was really tough for me. Um, but it, in a sense, it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Um, I got traded at the deadline that year and went to Colorado and went to their American League team, which was in San Antonio at the time. And um, it's kind of a fresh start. You're excited again to play and it kind of washes all that bad stuff under the rug. And then you go there, you're trying to work on your game again, you have a new staff that's helping you. And then the biggest turning point for me is when Colorado moved their farm team to Fort Collins, which is about an hour down the road from Denver. And they hired a new staff from what they had in san antonio and um honestly the staff was extremely good i can't say enough of good things about them and they just kind of um rounded my game out i don't think people realize how close the american league really is to nhl and how close that um like how narrow that window is of yeah what you need to make the jump and to be successful and their staff there really helped me kind of narrow that gap of what i needed um, I mean, I was always a big guy that could move and was strong and things like that, but it was just some small things around my game that needed tweaking and, and a lot of work. And, um, it's honestly, it was a blessing in disguise, like I said, and I got the call around Christmas, um, that next Vegas, year, um, right.
0: Was your first, you played my first
2: game was in Vegas. Yeah. Um, so I got the call right after Christmas break, I'd gotten back, um, and we were playing on the road. So I got the call and, um. And then I flew to Vegas that night and met the team there for my first game. And um, I only, and then I got sent back down for all-star break. And after that, I haven't been back down. So um, it was uh, a long time going or a long time waiting, but it just kind of makes you appreciate um, what life is like here and um, how good we have it and and how I never want to give it up again and that I'm happy to be here and things like that.
0: Pretty crazy, right, to, like, make your NHL debut in Vegas. Like, I'm sure, like, when you're growing up, obviously there was no Vegas team, and then next, you know, Vegas of all buildings. Was Was that intimidating?
2: uh, Yeah, it was actually a crazy day. Um, So I got called up.
0: Cut your wrist, right, or something?
2: Yeah, um, so I collided with a guy in morning skate. Um, Kind of an innocent collision. Like, neither one of us really fell, Um, but his skate caught me in the wrist, and I had a huge cut, like, on the backside of my wrist, right above my glove. Oh my god! So I spent the whole day in the ER um, waiting to get stitches and then I just made it back to the hotel in time to eat and put my suit on and go to the rink so um, honestly it was pretty stressful yeah. like this like they were like are you going to be able to play and I was like I am definitely going to play um, and it, but it was kind of good because you in a sense I would have just been sitting in my room all day stressing out and worrying about the game and stuff like that and I honestly had no time to stress or worry or um, anything like that so um, it maybe it, made me settle in a little bit more, but, um, and enough, if nothing else, it's a good story.
0: That's, I did not, I did not realize that like you had to go to the ER for all, you know, cause sometimes we see you guys yeah. get stitched up by guys, by like our medical staff, but
2: yeah, it was like four inches long, like the cut was huge. So uh, that's why like a normal little cut, that's an inch long. They would just do it in the room, but, um, it was huge. So I had to go
0: did you ever think like, Oh man, like, is this like going to derail? Like yeah,
2: immediately I thought that I was like, Oh my God, like this is the <laughs> worst thing that could possibly happen. And then, um, it, but it was probably good that we were on the road because they couldn't get someone there in time for the game.
0: But that's so true to, so that to we, fill it, in. Get them out in a
2: hospital. <laughs> yeah. Get them out. We're putting them in.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
2: they had no other option, but to play me. So that was, that was good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was your uh welcome to the nhl moment if it was not the first game where all the bright lights as amanda mentioned it took place in vegas and and all the show that goes on there but was there a moment where you said hey this is the nhl like look who
2: i'm playing against or who's uh who are we playing against or anything like that there's a few like i mean your first game you when you go out there and there's the huge crowd and you're um, you're playing on a team that has superstars and and you're on the ice with them and things like that. Um, that's kind of your first, okay, I'm here. Um, but I think when it really set in for me was my first goal. Um, when you kind of, you get on the stat sheet and then you're you're inked in NHL history forever that you have a goal. And it's that's when it kind of set in for me that it's like, oh, okay, this is real. And um, basically I've been able to play here and they can't take it away from me now. And um, then at that point, you're just trying to stick around. Who was that against? Tell us about the goal. It was against the Rangers, actually. Um,
0: How convenient.
2: Yeah, convenient. Um, (laughs) It was in Denver. Um, They had a turnover in front of their net, and it came basically right to me to an open net. Um, So it it was just like lucky, like um, maybe the hockey gods were on my side. It was kind of a weird turnover, and I'm not really sure why I was down in the play there, but it came (laughs) right to me, and I had a wide open net. Um, So... (laughs) Um, I think it was in like a seven-two game or something too, and I was the seventh goal. Doesn't um, matter. Doesn't and, matter. I was so excited. And stuff. It was it was an awesome moment. Yeah, who's who was in goal or not in goal? Is the case, maybe. <laughs> yeah, who was out of position? That. Who was that? <laughs> it was it was Georgiev, who I had oh, really? with, who I'd played with in Hartford. So it was pretty cool. And they still had a lot. I don't really know anyone on that team anymore, but um, I I knew a lot of guys there then. Like I had played in the American League with D'Angelo and Shea and. Um, I think Booney Evans on that team and, and Phil Scheidel, and things like that. So I knew a lot of those guys, so it was cool to do it against those guys for sure.
0: And then what was it like when you, you know, got the call that you were being traded again and this time it was to New Jersey.
2: I mean, that it's, it's been a weird off season with Seattle coming in. Um, yeah. I kind of had a feeling that I could be moving. Um, you'd be pretty naive to not think that, um, I mean, you can only protect three defensemen and, you look at the abs roster yeah. <laughs> um I'm definitely not in that top three with um Taves, Gerard, and Makar so um I had a feeling that there was a good chance that I could be moving it just depended if they if Seattle liked another guy better or whatever but I mean it it, it kind of played out the way it did and um once I had a feeling how or an idea how things were going to shake out no, uh, better
0: get up again yeah <laughs> get, the lights went out <laughs> there yeah. we go
2: <laughs> Once i had a feeling and an idea of how things were going to shake out i kind of knew like i knew probably a week before the seattle draft that yeah it could be um that i was probably not staying in denver so at that point it was just a matter of where i was going and um so it didn't come as a huge surprise um but obviously i didn't know what team it was going to be or anything like that um so when i heard jersey uh at first, you don't know what to think. Um, I had actually never stayed in Jersey because we had always stayed in New York, so I didn't really know what to think with the town, um, and I didn't know a ton of guys in the team. Um, it's probably one of the few teams I didn't know anyone coming in. Um, but I, at the at the same time, I was thinking it's closer to home. I found the time change tough, um, just yeah. the family and things like that, and then um, just like travel wise and stuff. Um, it is tough being far from home. Um, obviously, it was good. I love Denver, um, and I would play on the West again for sure, but. Um, there's definitely pluses and it makes life a little bit easier being on the East. I think my family was pretty happy to hear that it was going to be on the East. Um, they can watch games that aren't <laughs> at uh, 11 p.m. puck drop. Um, so in and, and that sense, it was, it was cool. It's a team that um, I'm in the same age group as this is kind of where we're developing and um, guys in this ro- in this room and in the, on this roster have three two to four years in the league mostly. So it's kind of, um except for guys like pk and dougie that have been and and Tatar that have been around a a while that we're all kind of just finding our own in the league and finding our way so it's kind of fun to be around a group like that
0: what's it like playing with that altitude on a regular basis because you know when we travel you know that's something that people talk about that it is not easy what is that like i mean
2: i've never had it as a road team but i think as a home team you definitely feel like it's an advantage um yeah I know we would always be saying like skate, 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 try to make them skate. Cause um, I know when you come in at the the end of your summer, I mean, I live at sea level. So I go there at the end of the summer and and the first week you'd feel like you didn't train all summer, you'd just be dying. That's Um, crazy. uh, And then you come back from road trip sometimes and and you'd be be exhausted that first practice or that first game back. Uh, So I'm not sure how it is as an away team, Um, but it's definitely, you definitely notice it and it's real.
0: And then you come over to the East here in New Jersey. And what do you think of the travel schedule here? Because it's yeah. got to be completely different than what you were yeah. used to.
2: Polar opposite. Um, <laughs> honestly, it feels like I'm home almost every night here. It's uh, that's
0: the, that's the huge benefit.
2: It's a huge benefit. It's so nice. Um, my girlfriend says that it's, it's like, it's nice. You're home all the He's time. It's like I now. see
0: you now. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like with that, well, on the West you go and you, we'd have 14 day road trips and, um, even our shortest road trips were, we rarely went the night before, and then came back after that game and yeah. would, you would go for four or five days almost every time. Um, so a four day road trip was like a short one for us. Um, so now it's nice to, I mean, it's nice to go to a New York day of, um, and then like Philly, Washington, all those teams are so close, short flights, you get in super early to, um, you come back a lot earlier in the evening. Cause you don't have to, um, you're not landing, you're not losing hours coming coming back, things like that. So um, the travel schedule is honestly really nice here. That is one of the advantages of playing on the East last couple
1: uh, and we'll let you go. And thank you very much for your time uh, on a day that we record this in between games, devils end a losing streak in Buffalo and you prepare for an afternoon game against Edmonton. So time is very precious, but I do want to ask you as it relates to the losing streak that was snapped against Buffalo and the young team that you are a member of, and a lot of new faces. So, I'm just wondering you know, we hear about the growth that's taking place and that continues to need to take place. But for those who are listening, the fans who sit on the edge of their seat every night, hoping for win after win after win, what is that process like? Because they're experiencing the frustrations you're feeling some of the frustrations as a player uh, and yet we know it's a process. So if you can kind of explain what has to happen for the devils to take that next step and make winning the way you did last night against Buffalo, a more regular part
2: of the game. I mean, we're working at it. Um, Like you said, we're a young team that's trying to find how to be consistent in this league and to find ways to win every night. And you have to be able to find ways to win when maybe you don't have your best stuff every night. You just need to be able to either, good D and and win a low scoring game or sometimes when you're bad defensively you need to be able to find a way to score five six goals in a game Um, so it's just kind of finding your way and um, and guys are finding their own way as as well as just as they are as players and what their role is going to be and things like that that's kind of how it is with a young team Um, there's going to be ups and downs but I think if you compare this roster to um, for me just kind of where the abs were even four years ago where you see, I think they, I mean, they finished almost last um, what five years ago, um, and then the year after that, they snuck into playoffs as they had that tiebreaker game with St. Louis. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. I feel like we're we're that team that could sneak in as the last um, wild card spot, and where we believe we should be um, that last wild card spot or that third spot in the division um so I think if you look at that you can make comparisons you see I think Nico draws a lot of comparisons to like a Landis and then Jack can kind of be your star that um McKinnon is for them and um I think that Dougie's a is a rock on the back end and he's um like you can see where this roster is going to go McKenzie's young as a goaltender but um he's he's going to keep getting better he's already good so you can see comparisons of where teams are and Um, and how they're growing. And um, that's obviously, that's a one that I was there to experience. So I can kind of see how that comparison is. But I think if the fans want to look for something, you can see how the roster is growing. I mean, Jack's already better this year than he was last year. And um, you have guys like uh, Brad, who's better this year than he was last year. And um, I think Mango's playing better than he was last year. Then guys like Mercer come in, it's his first year, you don't really know what to expect. But Um, he's obviously had a really good start and um, he's showing that he can be a an effective player and a game changer in this league and um, so you see what it's like right now and guys are just kind of get better that's kind of how it works that when you're younger you just keep getting better every year Um, and then obviously we're going to add pieces as well you're not going to have the same roster year after year and you just keep adding and getting better and then your core gets better and um, before you know it you have a dominant team. So it's just kind of a process, and you can kind of see where we're at now. I think we've been slumping a little bit lately and underperforming, but that's on us inside that room, and we need to find a way to right the ship and to to find points. and Our division's still close; we're not out of it by any means. So um, I still believe we could be that team that sneaks in in the last couple spots and then um, gets a little bit of experience and tries to make some noise in playoffs. Well,
1: on that note, that's a perfect note to end it. Ryan Graves, thanks very much for your time. We're going to have, by the way, our producer, Blaine Sayers, sent me the note. Garrett Rank is the referee that we were talking oh, yeah. about the golf. So yeah. he's going to be the guy on the ice when we get this all Nova Scotia team together. And we're going to add a former Devil, Dougie Sullivan. He's going to come off the bench, too. He had a very nice career, uh, played several years for the New Jersey Devils. But you've got a spot locked up against uh, next to Al McGinnis, and we appreciate your time. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, Ryan. No
1: problem. Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org. He doesn't know it. Well, he will when he hears this. I'm going to ask him <laughs> to see what connections he has at, <laughs> to the golf courses. On the golf courses, uh, especially the the two that we're going to visit the world class <laughs> courses, if not in the pro shop, if not at the golf course that's itself, maybe he can recommend a local establishment. Where I think we, that's why you can enjoy some beverages.
0: I think that's why you constantly bring up golf on these podcasts, Maddie, just to like see what connections you can sort of snuff out.
1: You never, you never know when you might put them to good use, although uh, this is an exciting trip that I'm looking forward to. But I, I love some of the information that he gave me. Can you imagine you get called up? Oh, my God. Today is the day you're going to live a childhood dream. Family is coming in. You got everybody back home who's going to be listening, trying to find the game on TV or find it on the internet or find it on the radio to listen to our oh, Ryan Graves. Oh, so <laughs> And you're sitting in an emergency room going,
0: Oh my God. And like, not only that, you're like sitting in an emergency room in Vegas or like the Vegas area. I can't even, I can't, I mean, that's why I asked him, like, was there a moment where you thought like, this is it? Like I've literally just ruined my chance at my dream yeah. because of like a flu collision.
1: Yeah. But as he said, they didn't
0: have anybody else. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. That was like, see, and those are like the, the bits of honesty that you're, you just have to like adore like, yep. Yeah they couldn't get anyone here fat. they were stuck with me
1: yeah exactly and uh <laughs> he took it and he ran with it. by the way i wonder if anybody in the emergency room like has like the elvis chops like they kind of <laughs> work in the emergency room and then they do a side deal so, at as, as like CEOs. yeah
0: like,
1: <laughs> elvis impersonator that, i will like- be
0: sure to ask him that <laughs> next time i <laughs> talk to him you know what one question i didn't get to ask i forgot and it, it's like it's kind of like generic but I want to know how many times he gets asked if he's related to Adam Graves.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Because right. I
0: feel like, hockey cause he's name, not,
1: sure. he's no. not,
0: there's no relation there, but I feel like that is a question that he would get asked a lot.
1: Sure. Well, it's a hockey team, right? Adam yeah. had a, had an exemplary career and of course he gets drafted by the Rangers yeah. Where you know, Adam, won the helped the team to the 94 Stanley cup championship. Yeah. I'm sure an awful lot. I'm sure yeah. an awful lot. He's not
0: though. I've done my research.
1: Yeah, no, they not, are not related, <laughs> not, not related at all. But anyway, it was a terrific uh, time spent with Ryan Graves. And I like the way he answered that last question. I think all the devil's fans are anxious for it yeah. to begin. And it is a process and you get tired. Uh, and I get it of waiting for it to unfold, but there are good pieces here. We know that they've, as we record this, there. They had hit a really rough patch and hopefully the win over Buffalo propels them further ahead.
0: And I think, you know, Maddie, just to wrap it up, what's so unique about Ryan's perspective is he really does have that almost like mirror image between being with the avalanche when things were looking bleak, but on their way up. And then moving over here after things started really looking good in um, with the Colorado avalanche, he has that type of perspective on patience Mm. right and and i think that's the most important part
1: yeah and it's sometimes something that's in too short of a supply and uh, you know hopefully patience does not wear thin from our fans and uh, hopefully things uh, start moving forward beginning with that win against buffalo amanda always good to spend time with you enjoy the rest of your time and that'll wrap it up on this edition of Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health for Amanda Stein. I'm Matt Lachlan. Thanks to our producer, Blaine Sayers. And thank you for listening. It's always appreciated. Until next time, be safe, be well. So long, everyone.